0: Welcome to the Dry Bones Ministries podcast. Each week, we'll bring you inspiring homilies and powerful stories from real Catholics, all about the truth, goodness, and beauty of Christ and His Church. If you're interested in supporting the work that we're doing, you can visit drybonespgh.org or follow us on social media at drybonespgh. Thanks for joining us. We hope that you are reminded of how much the Lord loves you and that you hear His invitation for you to come to life. Maybe that's a sign to throw away the homily. <laughs> no, we'll pick it up and keep going. Praise be Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, it is a joy to be with you in this uh, holy season of Advent in this beautiful series, Advent series. And in the midst of a lot of Advent series being canceled, I'm grateful for the prudence and yet trust of your pastor to keep going, and <laughs> to trust that... Um, the Lord will provide, huh? My name is Father Adam Potter, and the greatest thing that I will do ever do in my entire life is celebrate the Mass. It's just like nothing really comes close to even comparing. And it's just incredible. And I love how the Mass comes together, right? In the church, the ecclesia calling in the faithful that starts off the liturgy in the penitential rite, asking God for mercy on our sins. And then at the same breath, giving glory to God in the highest only to have the entrance into the liturgy of the word, bringing us to the climax of the Mass, the homily. <laughs> Why do you laugh? <laughs> And yet, sometimes we treat it this way, that the homily is the high point, and yet I would propose something radical, that even the homily too is supposed to be this bridge to the actual climax, union with God, that that is why we're here and that is where our focus should be. And yet, I don't know, in my four and a half years of priesthood, I feel like sometimes there's a different emphasis I don't know, maybe it's me being an introvert and being mic'd up and being in the center and usually saying most of the prayers and staying in the middle facing everyone. There's just a lot of pressure, a lot of eyes on the priest. And then whenever the homily comes, it's based on the responses after mass, maybe not here at this parish, but other places. It seems like the priest did really well or not so well based on the comments afterwards on the homily. I don't know, maybe it's because I'm an introvert, but it just seems like there's a lot of pressure, even in celebrating the Eucharist, praying the Eucharistic prayer, to make intonations and inflections that are engaging. And I just don't know. Once I heard a priest who was uh, praying Mass, just um, as he normally would, right? And yet after Mass, he had someone come up a little disgruntled and said, Father, grateful for your homily, but if I could just offer a recommendation, would you mind your prayers at the altar? Would you mind speaking up a little bit? And if you wouldn't mind too, would you mind working on your eye contact? And this priest said, with all due respect, I wasn't talking to you. (laughs) And yet, who can blame her? In the way that we have our Mass today, it is the priest even making eye contact in these prayers that if you read them and listen to them are to be said to the Father. That the priest standing in the person of Jesus in the Holy Spirit offers this perfect sacrifice of Calvary to the Father and that he wouldn't be looking at the people is actually right and just. My desire with my whole heart is to lead people to Jesus. I truly, it's just like... I'd, like me or don't like me, think that I'm a great priest or not great priest, and just don't want to get to the end of my life as a priest and have people with a Father Adam Potter fan club. I just don't. Like, I'd much rather people being able to say at the end of my life, he brought us God. That the priest, as our Psalm 23 says, is meant to be the good shepherd, to lead the people on the right path to God. Not to himself, and not dismissing himself, leading them through his humanity to an encounter with the living God. And this is why, in a beautiful way, if you go back to the earliest centuries of the church, there was this orientation, this posture, which was, as Father Frieda described, ad orientum. And please, you know, like I've just heard it too many times, and I, sometimes it's out of ignorance, but sometimes it's out of ill intentions. To speak of ad orientum is the priest Turning his back on the people. Please, if you've said that, stop. If you've heard others say it, please offer a loving correction. For I don't know, right? If the priest's job as the shepherd is really to lead the people to the Lord, consider if you were to get in a car with the driver who was not looking at the road but looking back at you. What would you say? Hopefully you say, turn around, I want to get to this destination in one place, right? And yet in the mass, we're not just here to celebrate our own accomplishments, what we can do for God. We're here to go someplace, even in COVID when we're not supposed to be traveling. God forbid, cross the state line. But we are a people on a mission. We are on the move and we are going someplace. And so if you're open, if you're willing, would you let me lead you this night? at this Mass, just to place your own heart and my priestly heart in union with Jesus Christ to be offered in this perfect sacrifice of the Mass. It's in that that I think we have a great invitation this Advent to turn towards the Lord, that this posture of awaiting for his coming, not just the first coming at Christmas almost 2,000 years ago that we remember on December 25th, but even his second coming, that we would turn towards him. It's this amazing thing that this can really like come into our own hearts and into our own minds, because I don't know if you know this, this Advent season is different than all of the near 2,000 Advents before. Because you realize, unlike all of them that have come before, this Advent, we don't know which coming will come first. We don't maybe it'll be December 25th, or maybe the Lord in his second coming will come tonight before this long homily is over, right? And that we would be ready, that we would be turned towards him, for we don't know when he comes, but when he does, I want to be facing him, and I want to be perfectly disposed to run to meet him. And I think it's in that running to meet him that we have this incredible image of our first reading, and it's climbing the mountain. So maybe running isn't the best image, right? <laughs> we're climbing a mountain. And it is in this beautiful way that we have our reading speaking to the glory of the mountain. For mountains, of course, for the Jewish people means something. Why do we climb the mountain? To encounter God. <laughs> what do we do once we're up on the mountain? Because it's not to bring a picnic, but it's to worship God. And what effect does it have of worshiping God up on the mountain? Well, it's a proper ordering of our own lives. It's a harmony with ourselves and with those people around us. And even as we see in the gospel, Jesus up on the mountains is working miracle after miracle after miracle just by climbing this mountain to encounter Jesus Christ. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will provide for all peoples a feast of rich food and choice wines. He will destroy the veil that veils all people, the web that is woven over all nations. He will destroy death forever. I want to propose something radical this evening, that we need this Advent unlike anything else right now. That we need this holy season of Advent, and not just so that we can get to Christmas, but that we can really embrace Advent, and especially in everything that this reading calls us to. that This Advent of climbing the mountain to God will destroy the veil that veils all people, right? Don't we need this? Think about how many people are veiled right now, unable to really see the truth of others or that other side that we don't agree with, right? Like that we would have that veil destroyed so that we can really see and really love. How about the web that's over all people, this web that is just constricting and suffocating and controlling? The Lord wants to destroy that. He wants to bring freedom, even this great freedom, where he will wipe every tear from our eyes. We need this, this Advent, no? Whatever discouragement, whatever despair, the Lord wants to wipe that away and give us this hope. So let's climb this mountain. I remember a time the Father Tim and I went on a hike. Well, there was a group of five of us priests, and we all went up the mountain together. In different ways, though, Father Tim was feeling really adventurous. And we dropped him and my other priest friend off at the base of the mountain early in the morning, and he climbed the whole thing by foot. Uh, two other priest friends of mine and I, we took this beautiful incline up to the about halfway up the mountain, and it was there that we had a bit of a feast, and it was choice Wine and great food, and I think we saw Father Tim and his buddy climbing up as we waved to him as he was going up. And he had this great experience, right? I think it was the calluses, and it was the out of breath, and it was the, he didn't pack enough water, but he was yodeling with the cows, meeting the locals, and who had the better experience? Maybe it's up for debate, and yet he made it to the top. He made it all the way to the top that he was able to get there and to be able to see a view unlike anything else. He was able to see over the other mountaintops, and he was look, able to look down below to see how far that he had come. And even as he was gasping for breath, as the altitude had brought him up above or there was actually enough oxygen that he needed, he was able to rejoice in the accomplishment of that climb. But I don't know, maybe someone today would say something crazy like, well, it's not about the destination, but the journey. Have you ever heard that before? <laughs> and I don't know, like, I think there's a lot to be said for the journey, but there's something about this line, this almost this postmodern relativism that like, we don't have a destination, we're just out there. And friends, this, there couldn't be more, anything more antithetical to the Christian vision. It is about the destination. That we do have a destination that is heaven. And if we don't make it to that final destination, then it doesn't matter the journey. That we do have a destination that is heaven, but more than a place, it's a person. And more than us going to meet him, he's coming to meet us. That this is Advent. That this is the Christian journey. That this captures everything that we are about, why we are here And to be able to have this in the forefront of our minds and hearts would be so good for us right now. Because there's a lot in our world that comes just to attack our destination. To say that we don't need to climb. We don't need to put forth effort. We can just stay home, stay comfortable, order more things on Amazon Prime, stream more videos, and we can just be comfortable. And we're called to climb, brothers and sisters. My invitation to everyone here tonight and for this Advent is to embrace not just the climb, but a simple prayer along the climb. Come, Lord Jesus. It couldn't be a more simple prayer, and yet it's really changed my own life and embracing it just in the simple ways of praying this prayer, and like throughout the day, and it doesn't need to be like 15 times a day, 27 times, a day. just like throughout your day that you might embrace this Advent prayer of, come Lord Jesus. Whenever you wake up, come Lord Jesus. Whenever you're brushing your teeth, come Lord Jesus. Or whenever you're sitting down for a meal or working around the house or serving somebody, come Lord Jesus. Because again, as I believe that we need this Advent season unlike anything else, it's not just because we need this experience of a journey. We don't just need this climb for the sake of a climb. We need this Advent season because we need Jesus. But do we know where we need Jesus? Because in the midst of our lives, it's just so easy to become numb and callous and to keep going through and to kind of miss this destination that we have, to miss this invitation to climb. And so that we would pray this prayer Come, Lord Jesus, I think can really allow us to have this inner disposition to welcome the Lord when he comes. And especially in this parish under the patroness of our blessed mother Mary, I think this brings us back to her immaculate heart, right? Like, she is the original Advent, and she wasn't climbing a mountain, although she did go and visit her cousin Elizabeth through the Judean hill country, but it was her advent that wasn't just a mere four and a half, some odd weeks. It was nine months, no? And it was Mary in her immaculate heart that she was able to have this experience of the Lord who has already come and yet not yet born. So just thinking about like in her own experience of going through life, in this, her own experience of literally her entire body being transformed to make room for Jesus to come into her flesh, to come into her heart, Like, women, do you know this? Like, your entire body is oriented towards this welcoming of new life, that literally your body will make room and make space to welcome new life. Even that there's this intimate connection of you to your child. The very air you breathe is not just for you anymore, but for your child. The very food you eat and the water you drink is not just for you anymore, but for your child. Do you know that literally your arteries, your veins, will expand Because now your heart isn't just pumping blood for yourself anymore. It's also being pumped for your child. Mary's entire person was open to welcoming this new person of Jesus Christ. And I was just thinking about how often she must have prayed, Come, Lord Jesus. And it's not about the destination, but the journey, maybe some would say. Like, I don't know. Like, I made the mistake of offering this to my sister who just gave birth uh, for the first time. This last April 2nd. And I was trying to be this encouraging, supportive older brother where I was just like t- telling her how radiantly beautiful she was in her pregnancy. It was like, Rachel, do you realize you are carrying new life through you? And I went on the same spiel, right? And all of a sudden, and just like glorifying, she's like, Adam, give me a break. <laughs> I can't wait for this birth, this delivery to come, right? And reveling in the beauty of who she was as this mother already, she also realized, I can't wait for this baby to come. All right, so I just have this hunch that we're if we're able to embrace this union with our Blessed Mother Mary and in this prayer that she had to have said, come, Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus. Once we come to the December 23rd, December 24th, we'll be able to experience more and more our own need for a Savior, our own places in our lives where we need him to come. And whenever that Christmas day comes, that Christmas most holy night we'll be able to experience in this beautiful, personal, profound way. You came. You came. You're true to your promises. You're true to your word. And in my deepest need, and in my deepest misery, you came to me. And it's in this that we experience what Advent is all about. But maybe if you're feeling bold, let's not wait for Advent to end. Let's start with this Mass. For it's in the Eucharist that he comes to each and every one of us. And so maybe as we process down this aisle to meet our loving God and King, we can have that same prayer on our lips. Come, Lord Jesus.